The Long Way to India. A podcast about my fairly haphazard attempt to cycle from the UK through to India in 2019. Episode 4, Highs and Lows. So that's the end of day 133. Pretty good start to my uh, trip along the Pamir Highway. First sort of 40 or 50 kilometres for a pretty busy road and then it seemed to get a lot quieter after that and I've done 106 kilometres since leaving Dushanbe. I've camped up by the side of the road near quite a big lake and on the other side's a quarry which is quite noisy but it seems like a good little spot. There's three donkeys wandering around here aimlessly. Yeah, the views are stunning and this camping spot's pretty, pretty amazing but they're not very flat unfortunately. From Dushanbe, I'd taken the Pamir Highway, an amazing 1200 kilometer road over the Pamir Mountains and up to the border with China. Unfortunately though, I'd not managed to get a Chinese visa, so instead I'd have to ride it all the way through to Kyrgyzstan and then look at flying over to Pakistan. So I'm 50 kilometers into today. It's been a real grind, a nice tailwind, but some terrible roads and it's literally everything is up or down. There's not much flat road. Now I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's a few sort of villages, but I'm moving away from them into what what looks like just an incredibly steep valley, really. I think the road will run alongside the river, which should, be, should keep it a bit flatter, but still pretty up and down, I think. I met a random guy who was just walking along on his own. I think a local, but he didn't have any water, so I've given him half a bottle of water, which is quite generous, but yeah, he needed it, and I've got quite a bit left, and I'm hoping there's a couple of waterfalls up here I can replenish my supplies. So on to day 135. Uh, yeah, good, good camping spot, good night's sleep. Woke up pretty early again, about six, but way too cold to get out of the tent. So stayed in bed for a couple of hours. But I was always a bit worried where I was, there was a lot of cow pats, so I was a bit worried there might be some cows turning up at any minute. But thankfully they never arrived. And I got out for about nine o'clock. And I did about four kilometers and then I found this cafe and the guy said there was some water. So I filled up my bottles with water and then I got apprehended by the kind of madam of the place who uh, persuaded me to get some breakfast there, which was good. And then sort of more people turned up. By the end, there was about eight of us sat around this table. I think all family members. And one of the sisters was single. So they were trying to sort of set me up with the sister, uh, which is quite funny. But... Um, yeah, I've said I'll go back after I've done the Pamir Highway in a month's time to get married. And then the, the guy, the sort of uh, main guy there, got some vodka out and we had to do some vodka shots. So I've had two vodkas before 10am, which is never probably a good idea, but uh, it was quite nice actually, quite smooth. And they have a bit of melon, a bit of watermelon afterwards to take the taste away, so it's not so bad. Yeah, could make a, a long morning now. Got to do about 50 kilometres to get to the next sort of drinking and restaurants and stuff. 
and these roads, they're not getting any better. I could have done with some of those vodka shots the next day as I headed up and over to the town of Kolokoum. I think all I can say is that was a bloody hard climb. Um, at the top, 3,258 metres above sea level. It's pretty cold and windy up here, but the sun's out and the views are just amazing. Yeah, I really suffered the last sort of five, 600 metres of climbing. Ran out of food and energy, so I just really, really grinding up. I've got some noodles, which I thought about cooking up, but I don't know, just the effort to cook them and stuff seem more hassle than just carrying on. It's a 2,000 metre descent now uh, down to this quite a big town, so I'm just going to enjoy the next 35 kilometres, I think. I made it to Kolokum just before nightfall and treated myself to a dodgy hostel. I now had a fairly easy 250 kilometres to the town of Korug. The only thing that made this section tough was constant punctures. I must have had three or four every day, but luckily I got caught up by a couple of Germans who were pretty handy when it came to fixing punctures. Right, we're on the road again, day 141. Uh, just um, left the German couple behind. They, they're gonna do the Watang Valley route heading out tomorrow, which is a sort of longer route follows the uh, Afghan border. I'm doing the Pamir Highway, the sort of main road version, which is shorter over to a town of Merghab, about 300 kilometers to Merghab, uh, straight over the top really. I think it's a bit more climbing, but a better road surface and hopefully some good views up there. So I just got into the tent now. Pretty lazy day actually only done about 55 kilometers but it's all been slightly uphill so it's not been that easy but yeah i found a really nice spot for some lunch this little cafe in the middle of nowhere really there's no one else there but it was open and they were cooking food for themselves i think so yeah they made me fish and chips which is a random meal out here and then after that i did another sort of half hour and then i found a spot by the river i could see there were a couple of cows knocking around so i thought at some point i might see a farmer but anyway, I thought I'll pitch up. It was only about six o'clock, so I put my tent up. And and then half six, the, the sort of farmer, shepherd, turned up to get his cows to bring them back to, to milk them. I got chatting to him a bit. I mean, there wasn't much communication, but I offered him a few biscuits and an apple, which he happily accepted. And then I helped him round up his cows. He'd got onto a little island in the river, so he had to sort of throw things at them to make them come back onto the mainland. Um, but he managed to do that. And then he sort of walked them off towards his, his uh, farm. I think he was trying to invite me back for some dinner at the end, but I was quite happy. I'd had some food and it was really getting cold by that point. So I was quite happy just to get into the tent. It's going to be pretty cold up here, I think now. Um, I'm at nearly 2,700 metres. So I think it'll be cold tonight and it's just going to get colder. It certainly did get a lot colder, as in the next few days I climbed up over 4,000 metres. There wasn't much traffic now on the road and there was very few cafes or villages. I really started to feel quite lonely in this vast landscape. So I'm on the road again, day 144. I found a lovely camping spot last night actually. I was a bit uh, worried at one point because it's so flat, the landscape. But I found this little hill that I could just hide behind so I was away from the road. No one could see me. And it was so, so expansive. It was just 
miles and miles of just flatness and then some mountains at the back that the sun set behind. It was a really lovely spot, but it was so cold I just really had to get the tent up and get in the tent. It's not the kind of weather at the minute to, to enjoy a sunset really, um, unless you're in a nice warm tent with a sleeping bag. Although today seems a bit warmer and the, there's a lot of cloud around, but when the sun comes out it's very nice. I think the cloud was good last night though, it kept it a bit warmer, so it wasn't too cold in the tent, slept pretty well. Did hear some footsteps or something at three in the morning which worried me, so I had a look round but I couldn't see anything. May have been a, a fox or something but yeah I was a bit worried. Uh, I've lost a lot for the bike as well so I don't know where that's gone, it must have fallen off or must have left it somewhere. I can't really lock the bike up or anything, so I just attach it to the tent now. So if someone steals it, they might bring the tent with them and wake me up. But there's so few people around out here, I'm just not really too worried. By the end of that day, I arrived at the town of Merkab. Not quite the picturesque town in the mountains I'd hoped for, but at least I could get a hostel and a warm duvet. I was now just 100 kilometers from the border with China, but frustratingly, the next day, I had to head north, away from China, and towards Kyrgyzstan. I'm just coming to the top of the highest pass on the route, the Ak Batayl Pass, I think it's called, at 4,655 metres. And I can see the sun on the other side of the, of the pass, so as I come over, I might get a nice bit of warm sunshine. Just gone six o'clock, so it's starting to get really cold here. Uh, starting to notice the altitude a bit when I've had to push myself up some steep bits at about 15%. Yeah, that was hard. Oh. <laughs> That's it, I'm over the top and uh, on the way down. It wasn't quite all downhill from here. I had another day at around 4,000 metres cycling towards Lake Karakul. The landscapes here were the most spectacular I'd ever seen. I was riding on a plateau, surrounded in all directions with towering snow-capped mountains. And my last night in Tajikistan, I camped by the lake before I headed up to one of the highest border crossings in the world. On the Kyrgyzstan side, the road quickly became a busy highway, and my last few days weren't much fun. But after just 18 days riding the Pamir Highway, I finally rolled into the city of Osh. The plan now was to catch a flight from Tashkent to Pakistan. But first, I just had the small matter of 400 kilometers to get me to Tashkent. So that's the end of day 152, I think. It's possibly one of the worst days. I knew it was going to be a bad day. You know, it basically had a 1500 meter climb today over the first sort of 50 kilometers to get over this big pass started off all right it was fairly gradual and then it got steeper and steeper and then um after lunch or late lunch it was it started to rain quite heavily and by the time i got to the sort of top of the pass it was absolutely like really cold pissing down with rain and i've got still got this diarrhea and i had this urge to go for a for a dump so i had to dump the bike and try and find somewhere to shit on a basically on a motorway it's a three-lane motorway that i'm on at the minute as i head towards tashkent my hopes that the road would get quieter haven't worked out it's got a lot busier 
So yeah, I found this sort of place, had a shit, and then tried to swap my, get my uh, warm clothes on and stuff, and I was so cold though up there. It's just hard to hard to function. And then um, luckily I got into these tunnels. So there was a few tunnels at the top which were quite warm, but really frustrating. But there's two tunnels, and on the entrance, both times the uh, there was a soldier on the gate, and he didn't give a shit about cars. But I came past, and they stopped me, and they wanted to passport, and I was literally shivering, freezing cold. It's just like. I just want to crack on here and get down off this mountain. And they were asking me questions and wanting to see my phone and stuff. And then the descent after that was was pretty amazing. It was raining, wet. The roads looked really greasy. There was all these lorries going quite slowly down, so you had to having to overtake these lorries. And uh, yeah, it's quite exhilarating, really. I've done, I think I've done nearly 100 kilometres today, so it's not been a bad day in the end, but uh, I've still got 110 to get to Tashkent if I want to do that tomorrow, which could be quite a tough ride. In the end, there was no rush to get to Tashkent, as I was still waiting for my Pakistan visa. So instead, I decided to change plan and fly to Amritsar in India, which gave me the option to cycle into Pakistan if I managed to get my visa. Then the only thing left to do was try and pack the bike up so I could get it on the plane. Then I spent the next four hours trying to get some boxes, which luckily I managed to do in the, uh, the Char Su market. Got 15 of these boxes. And then I spent about an hour outside the airport tonight trying to build a bike box from the little boxes. And I managed it. It's not great, to be honest, but luckily they've got a wrapping service here at the airport. So for extravagant charge of $20, I've got it all wrapped up now, so it's it's amazingly solid. <laughs> I think you could drop it off Niagara Falls and it'd be fine. You can't carry it or lift it, so God knows what the uh, what the people who, who, who work here will do with it, but, but the main thing is it's boxed up, ready to go. We're back on the road again, day 164. Uh, I'm on the bike, just done about 20 kilometers out towards the border with Pakistan, uh, the Wagar border. Finally got my Pakistan visa three, a couple of days ago, uh, which was a nice surprise. This morning I spent about an hour trying to find a kind of an internet printing shop to print it off. Uh, thankfully I managed that on the way out of town in the end. Let's just hope I get across the border okay. A little bit worried when I get into Pakistan. On my visa, I've, I'll be kind of getting the bus around. So if I turn up with a bike now, it might be a bit weird. Let's hope that's not an issue. So that's the end of my first day cycling in Pakistan. I've reached a pretty ropey hotel actually, but they took credit cards, so that was good because I haven't been able to get any cash out yet. Yeah, it's been a tough day actually. I only did about 25 kilometres of cycling in Pakistan. The first 10 was very easy actually, probably gave me a false sense of security. But then as I got nearer to Lahore, it was just crazy. I mean, the only good thing is you get quite a lot of drafting from the uh, rickshaws and the motorbikes. 
and, and the sort of cars so you can go quite good speed actually but yeah it's so crazy it's so dangerous and it's just really hot but anyway i've made it i was finding life pretty tough in pakistan and it only got worse the next day when i got food poisoning from a dodgy breakfast but it was only 340 kilometers to multan so i figured it'd be a pretty easy ride wow a bit of a tough end to today i was trying to get to this area where i've got to actually and i found somewhere to camp which is good did about 70 kilometers in the end but the last hour started belting down with rain thunder and lightning torrential rain um, water was just sort of inches deep so i was wading through that which is quite good fun especially when it's warm but there's a few dodgy moments i had sort of lorries trying to come past me and push me into the gutter and stuff but anyway survived all that and then found been some kind of accident or something on our dual carriageway so it was just blocked up totally clogged up with cars lorries bikes tried to go around some of the lorries and then i saw bikes coming back the other way so i thought yeah, let's turn around so went back the other way for about 500 meters and found you could get onto the other carriageway so then we all bombed down the wrong carriageway which isn't unusual in india or pakistan uh, it's quite normal to drive down the wrong carriageway um, seems seems quite accepted so i did that and then i got to the right turn took that and then i found this sort of spot i don't know really where it is but it's near a graveyard there were a few people there who saw me kind of coming in so they came over for a chat when i'd set the tent up but they were friendly and they seemed fine they're just worried i'm camping in a graveyard but i've been in worse spots and it stopped raining thankfully so i had managed to get the tent up everything's pretty dry actually so the only thing is i feel a bit sick still but i've had a bit of cake for dinner just get some sleep and crack on tomorrow to i don't know where i'm going tomorrow really that summed up my ride to multan the only plan i seemed to have was get on the n5 highway and cycle so hopefully that's the end of today i found a camp spot quite late about eight o'clock so it's been dark for about an hour and a half so quite an interesting ride in the dark yeah a bit hair raising actually i thought it might be a bit easier in the dark but i think everyone goes even more crazy and some some cars don't have lights and none of the cyclists have lights and some of the rickshaws don't have lights so it's uh yeah pretty crazy yeah, it's a really tough day. I managed to do 116 kilometers though, so that's good. And I've had a meal. I've had a lot of um, fizzy drinks again. I feel awful, like physically. Yeah, just so dirty, so, so humid and hot, and uh, so dusty. So yeah, I just feel absolutely filthy. But um, yeah, not really found anywhere to have a wash. Get the odd tap here and there, but. You, not really sufficient to start dousing yourself down with it but it's nice to wash your hands and your face i think this has been the one of the toughest sort of segments of the trip in the end i thought it would have been really easy just a flat ride 400 kilometers but i just with the sickness just don't seem to have any sort of power in the legs and i'm having to stop every hour and sort of have an hour of lying down Let's hope tomorrow I start feeling better. 
and I can have a good ride to Multan. Day 168. That's it. I've made it to Multan. And what a journey that was today. Probably the worst day I've ever had in a way. But it wasn't it wasn't boring. Uh, yeah, just felt so sick all day. Um, managed to eat a bit of food and at one point I stopped at this little sort of stall that seemed to have some fried chicken. Uh, so I ordered a portion of it and the guy made me sit in his seat behind the stall. Um, which was nice because it was in the shade. But it turned out not to be fried chicken. It was some kind of, I don't know, fried turnip or something. Fried swede. But it was alright with a bit of sauce and stuff. But anyway, I managed to eat that and hold it down. And I had about eight, seven ups, I think, as well on the route. And as I got in towards Multan, it got weirder and weirder. I had loads of <coughs> people on bikes riding with me. Most were friendly, but one kid was a bit weird and wouldn't leave me alone for about 40 minutes. He wanted me to stop for a drink to start with, and I said, no, I'm okay, thanks. And then he started talking about police and guns and ID cards and stuff. Luckily, I found a melon stall, so I stopped there. He'd gone a bit past me. So I just pulled up and uh, had this melon, which just looked really nice. But unfortunately, just before they gave it to me, they chucked a load of salt on it. I thought it was sugar, actually, but it was when I tasted it, it was salt. And melon and salt is a pretty revolting combination. So that was, <laughs> that was pretty hard to eat. Uh, but again, I was sat sort of right next to the guy, served it. I felt I had to eat it. And that nearly made me chuck my guts up. But anyway, thankfully, that got rid of that kid. And then, yeah, coming into Multan, the traffic wasn't too bad, actually. I found a really nice route. Then I tried some budget hotels, um, and none of them will take foreigners, which I've now found out. So I think I tried three or four different hotels, and they all told me to get lost. And then finally, I found this quite an upper-market hotel. It was about 25 quid a night. Yeah, they're a bit more helpful, and they said we'll have to register with the police. So they um, spent about 20 minutes on the phone, I don't know, calling the police and stuff, but thankfully I've got into this hotel now. But uh, the bad news is I'm not allowed out of the hotel room without security, so, so I'm kind of a prisoner here. Yeah, Pakistan has been way, way harder than I expected. Everything else has been an absolute walk in the park compared to this last few days. I did try to escape from the hotel the next day. I got the lift straight down to the basement and thought I could sneak out through there. Unfortunately though, I got clocked by the hotel security guard. So I ended up spending a couple of days mainly trapped in my hotel. Touch wood, I might have made my escape from Multan. Same way as my dad did, I guess, 70 odd years ago, on a train from the station. A bit of a comedy of errors, but um, yeah, I checked out the hotel about a quarter to seven this morning and there was no one on reception, so I just thought rather than risk getting locked in the hotel again, I'm just gonna just gonna escape. So I, uh, I just left the key and bolted down through the basement. Thankfully, there was a different security guy, he wasn't so bothered about stuff. I just said train station and 
packed up the bike as fast as I could and legged it and I was gone and uh, got to station about 15 minutes managed to buy a ticket somehow to Ralpindi the train is now leaving I am leaving Multan wow what a weird few days it's a shame really because yesterday I actually got out with the police had my own sort of police van an armed officer escorted me around the sites of Multan and I had a lovely hour it's quite good with the police guy because he just got me into everything straight away without paying without queuing and stuff no security checks but um, yeah I would have loved to spend a day or two exploring the sites properly seemed like a nice safe friendly place actually a lot, e lot easier than Lahore to get around I guess I've made it to Multan and I've made it out again. The plan had been to cycle the 500 kilometers to Islamabad, but after my recent experiences, I thought it might be best to catch a train. As if I got stopped by the police cycling on a highway in the middle of nowhere, I knew there'd be a few questions asked. After a few days in Islamabad, I had another painful 12 hour train ride back to Lahore and was really glad to get back on the bike as I cycled over the border and back to the beautifully chaotic city of Amritsar. From here, rather than take the direct route to New Delhi, I headed into the mountains, first to Dharamasala and then on to Shimla. So on to day 196, I've just climbed up to the, basically a big temple on the hill, with a giant statue of something, quite impressive. But the place is surrounded by monkeys, quite aggressive monkeys. And uh, one of them stole my sunglasses off the top of my head. He wouldn't give them back until I bought a packet of uh, nuts for him. So I had to buy a packet of nuts from this guy who then threw it to the monkey. He then gave my sunglasses back. Looks like it's a, a fairly well-trodden system for the monkeys. But it's a bit annoying because I love those sunglasses and I've managed to keep them for 196 days, which has to be some kind of record. And then this little shitty monkey sat up on this top of this building, just taunting me with my sunglasses. But anyway, I've got them back now, and I've put everything safely in my bag. So that's it, 50 kilometres done, and I'm in Chandigarh for lunch. Easy enough ride down the hill, and then the last 10 kilometres into the city were a bit sketchy, but I've got to be honest, I'm getting pretty good at this cycling in India got to be very aggressive at times and then occasionally very defensive but but generally yeah just make yourself big and go past people undertake overtake anything goes here it's quite good fun and uh <laughs> to top it off I'm just just waiting to check in so I found this beer shop nearby and they do big kingfishers for 90 rupees which is about a pound which is half the price you normally get it so I'm pretty chuffed. I think I'll just be drinking Kingfisher for the next few days and uh, having a look at the. This is meant to be one of the most beautiful cities in in India, so we'll have a look round. If it wasn't for the heat, I could have been back riding in Yorkshire now as I trundled through farmland towards Hissar. So on to day 202, I've just set off. And I've just cycled out to uh, where my dad used to live in Hissar, which is 2E model town. And after quite a bit of faffing, I think I found it. 
unfortunately the owner was sat outside <laughs> so he was a bit a bit skeptical about what I was doing and didn't speak much English so there's a bit of a translation problem explaining that my father used to live here many years ago but anyway I think we worked out it was the right house but he wouldn't even let me take a photo of it so I've got a few distant shots of it but anyway I made it and now I'm just sat in a nice park called I think the Rose Garden I might just drop a few of his ashes here returned a bit of him to Hisar from here I took one final detour to the city of Jaipur and then I was on my way back to New Delhi. I somehow ended up cycling through a tiger reserve at one point, but I didn't see any tigers. Maybe a good thing when you're on a bicycle. And then, after 210 days, I finally made it. So that's it. I've just reached India's gate, or India gate. Easy 70 kilometers today, but on pretty awful busy roads some bad route choices but yeah made it finished game over 210 days 24 countries 15,800 kilometers some good days some bad days a lot of punctures a lot of pain in the legs sore backside at times some hassle from people but generally a lot of friendly helpful kind people um, no one hit me one fall uh, one stolen bike lots of angry dogs uh, thankfully no snakes that I really saw close to me when I, especially when I was camping yeah managed it it's a shame uh, can't give my dad a call now say I'm in India but anyway thanks dad You have been listening to The Long Way to India by me, Ben Manuja.